in on some dope topics Lend an ear while we talk our shit Cause you know we bound to be so profound Make you think a little when we push it down Let us do the talking, just relax and unwind Laugh your ass off, baby, have a good time Robin, you, Seth, yeah, we something sublime Run your mouth, bitch, yo, we out of our minds Run your mouth. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Run Your Mouth podcast. Back by popular demand, we've got Professor Lady. How you doing, Kate? Fine, Rob. How are you? I, I'm telling you, every time I do any live events and I run into people that listen to Run Your Mouth, they tell me that 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 the uh, you were the favorite episode, and when am I getting you back on? So that back by popular demand. Wow, cool. That's the market, and I came across a topic. That I was like, all right, I, I'm having some deep thoughts on this one. We got to delve into it. So, the topic that I came across it was in last week's ep- uh, last week's uh, Wall Street Journal was about the theory that people could download their brains, that you can live past death, they can map out your neurons, they can put you on a computer, and you can keep on living. So I'll let you take it from there and maybe give us some of the actual information on this topic. Well, I'm not. I have to give you a warning first. I'm not uh, familiar with the technology that would be needed to do such a thing, um, nor am I a psychologist. So I can't claim to understand what the mind really is or if the mind is related to the brain uh, or what consciousness is. And I think that that's a good starting point because I don't think anybody understands what consciousness really is. Um, and this, the, the man who wrote the article is a professor of psychology and neuroscience, and he makes some pretty bold assumptions about the nature of mind and consciousness and its relationship to the brain. But if we put all that stuff aside and we just grant him that it is going to be possible at some point in the future that we cannot yet see that we'll be able to upload the mind, I guess we could skip skip to that and just go right to the philosophical issues because... The first, well, I'll tell you the the nugget version. What my first impression of this article is that it's atheist porn. All right. Because it seems like you know what would motivate a person to even want to think about this kind of thing. And uh, he talks about the uploading of of consciousness into the cloud after death or even before death. Um, he talks about it as a digital afterlife, and. I would have never come up with a topic like this because I don't need a digital afterlife. I, I'm a theist, so I think I'm, you know, headed for some kind of after, afterlife, so like hopefully, you know, the nice one. Um, but, you know, yeah, so let's, you, you let's pointed play, out that I... Well, let's just play sorry, around with that. So let's just firstly, let's just go with the theoretical for a second, that there is the option of downloading your brain and continuing your consciousness. So I'll just tell you, because to me, that's fascinating. And there's a lot of things to play around with because my brain went to the same place of first I started playing around with, okay, well, where would I want to go? Like if I, if I could like map out where I would next go, like you have your option, you almost get to sit down with the designer and he's like, okay, you're going to die soon. And we're going to put you into this world. So, I mean, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm a sick perverted person. I'm like, great. I'm going to go to porn planet. It's going to be a beach. It's going to be me, nothing but naked chicks. And then within five minutes of playing that on my brain, I was like, well, if you don't like it, can you opt out? Like, and then would that be philosophically speaking, if you are a believer in God, even though it'd be weird to believe in God and choose to go to porn Island, um, would that be considered suicide? Like if, if, if you extend your death to the point that you're living within a simulation and then you realize, Hey, this simulation is miserable. And so you want to, you want, you want to opt out. 
would you consider that suicide? And then the next step to that, I was like, well, if theoretically science can extend your life beyond your body, it's not that much different, you know, for, like uh, from like being on a, even like any any kind of medicine. It's like it, it's almost just a life extension. But that all is just looking past the issue of the fact that maybe consciousness isn't just a biological uh, a biological function. So let's just go with the entirely theoretical, and then we can work backwards to whether or not consciousness is um, some sort of a dual nature, or if this is just scientists are so wrong and they're bullshitting you to make you think that there's you know that they can replicate consciousness just as like you know through neuron mapping or putting you into whatever. So let's just go with the concept of, you know, they can design an afterlife for you. All right. So we're all on the same page here. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I think, I think the problem with designing your own digital afterlife is that it would be limited to your own imagination. And yeah, well, even if you drew on like a, a whole bunch of artists and, and the entire human community that has ever existed and, and that exists right now at the moment of your programming, your digital afterlife, it's still limited to human possibilities. So I think so, I, so I was that, thinking the exact same thing that if everybody else in the program doesn't have agency, you're going to be living in a boring, a boring universe. You know what I mean? Like if everything yeah, is just, yeah. Right? Yeah. And then what's interesting about that is when you start to consider the fact that if you could choose your own universe, you'd want to live in a place where everybody has agency. You come to a place that doesn't have a quality, but it's interesting because you're playing a game against other players. It was interesting to me in my own head that that's what I would like if I was designing it from scratch. That's still what I would choose because the alternative just seems like, well, that's going to suck. Yeah. I mean, it's like playing solitaire you know, you're not, or, or trying to play chess with yourself. I mean, it's really, it's not, it's not that interesting. Um, and, and even broadening the scope, like even if you could enter the digital afterlife and there were other characters with agency, there other minds who had uploaded that with whom you could interact and have relationships. Um, you're still, you're, you're still stuck in the realm of human, like the, the, the limits of human imagination. And I have greater hopes for my afterlife. I mean, I think God's imagination is way better than even the sum total collective imagination of all of humanity. So, well, it's outside. It, it, it's, mean, it's outside the scope of what we can even comprehend. So, if you believe in the idea that there's an yeah. afterlife that's better than what we currently recognize as being existence, it's clearly going to be in, infinitely better than whatever you imagine as being the best life possible. Now, let me ask exactly. you on that because that, that's a fascinating test of faith. That if on your deathbed, they give you the option of, all right, you're done, you're quitting out versus, hey, we can upload you, um, we can upload you. So you would go, hey, I did my time here. This is what I was supposed to do. I'm, I'm going to take I'm going to take the out option. Um, I'm not holding you to this. The there, there, there's no document here. It's not like if you make this decision now, you're going to be held to it at your afterlife. But conceptually, right. you would you would choose for um, I'm taking I'm taking the out. Yeah, yeah like actual death. Yes. So uh, I, I, yeah. I I I would I don't want to go into somebody's digital universe. Hell no. Get me out of there. Um, I mean, now, even if it was one that I chose out of a menu of all possible options, I wouldn't want to go there. I don't, I mean, the extent of my imagination isn't that great. So, you know, I'd rather suffer oblivion than be limited to my own imagination for the rest of 
you know, the extent of cloud life, whatever that happens to be. Now, let me change the equation a little bit. Now, when I was thinking about this concept of, hey, you go to like a designer and you basically you design your afterlife. You know, you tell them this is what I, I, I always enjoy sandwiches, but I didn't like that they ruined my stomach. So if you can put me back in a time when I got along with cheese, that would be great. Um, I also always want to be hungry, but never want to get fat. So that's got to be a part of the equation. Uh, women, I want a full head of hair. I want everyone to think I'm attractive and I want to be what, like there's that thing, but I played that through to the end and I'm like, all right, I don't really think I'd enjoy that. I think what I would sooner opt for, I think if the ability to upload your, your brain, your consciousness exists, it's just as likely that they could put, download that into like a robot kind of thing that just continues to live in our, like doesn't go into a digital realm, just continues to live in our physical world. So if that option existed, which would really just be extending your own life, would that change? Would that change your perspective at all? Not mine. Not yours. Uh, I think. I think you know. Even if I was a Victoria's Secret supermodel and you know uh, just had like IQ of two hundred or whatever, you know, and I had so many talents and abilities, and I was the life of every party, I I would get bored. It would be boring. Because like you can only do that for so long, and I don't know, maybe that's just me. And I, you know, I do kind of get bored easily. Uh, I I wouldn't want it to to be stuck in that like hamster wheel for forever. I mean, it'd be fun for a while, sure. And you know, even if you could, let's say, choose a different avatar so that you can change shapes, change, experience what life would be like from the standpoint of a, of a cat or, or a different gender or something like that, that would get boring too. You'd cycle but through all I'm, of the cataloged reality. What I'm, de- what I'm describing though, is basically just extending your life. Imagine there was a robot that gave you an extra hundred years. So you would still say like, if you live to age a hundred oh, okay. and you got another hundred, but your hundred was your brain being put into a robot. Um, it's not necessarily that dissimilar from if they had regenerative cell, whatever that kept you, you know, age 80 permanently or something that, that wouldn't interest you. You're like, I want to do one stretch of life. I got enough faith that I'm going to get done what I need to get done. And God's on the other end and I'm going to a good place. Yeah. Cause I, you know, life, life gets boring after a while. I, I mean, you know, it's, you're in a safe place for depression. So don't worry. You're, you're welcome to unload on us. We just did a whole episode on depression. So, you know, I get it. (laughs) No, I take, you know, I I kind of, yeah, I'm a cheerful, I'm a cheerful person and I enjoy my existence and I like my job and, and I have nice friends and a great family. And so like, I'm really, really lucky. I'm like, I consider myself to be incredibly privileged, but even still, like, I don't know what, what, what's there left to do after 80 years. Yeah. Well, I guess my, it's the, it's the fear of the unknown and life preservation. And I guess my lack of faith in, Hey, there's definitely an afterlife there. So I think I would definitely go with the extension model. But what's interesting about the extension model is that I feel like if you choose to extend, um, and God, you know, and you're still within the God reality, you shouldn't be faulted for, uh, for suicide at that point. Like if you take the robot option at age a hundred, then like that should be marked as the end of your actual life. Now, here's a more interesting question. Let's say you're still within the God framework and you're able to download your consciousness, but the consciousness downloading is not a duplicate, which could be, a, could be an option. It could be you basically, you download your consciousness and then you continue to exist. And then your consciousness goes forward as well, which essentially becomes a dual identity of you so now under that framework 
would that be of any interest to you? Because then you kind of you get to explore both. There's a version of you that's going to just keep going, and then there's a version of your consciousness, and they're not. You know what I mean? The two can be totally separate entities at that point. Right, and that's what the author discusses. He talks about it as like a branching Y. Like if your if your life begins at the the bottom stock of the Y, and then it splits as as you move forward, and one one of you is uh, like simulated in inside of a the cloud, and the other one is still biological. Um, you know, I don't see. I I look at that as no different from if you were to clone yourself. Right. So if you if you clone yourself, like the moment you clone yourself, like that's not you anymore. And so if I, I think that if you upload your if it's if you upload your mind into uh, the cloud, then that's not your mind anymore. If it has a will and if it has a consciousness of its own, then it's going to take a different path. So, I mean, it's sort of like identical twins. They look alike or they may have like a common origin, uh, you know, twins that share a womb and look like each other. But there's so much I mean, there. If it genuinely has an independent will, which it would have to do if it's going to be a, any kind of an agent in this uh, digital afterlife, it would just be a different person at that point. And I think that, that that gets into like a really sticky philosophical problem, which is the problem of personhood. You know, what constitutes person? And I mean, of course, like that question has been raised quite a bit uh, within the abortion debate, you know, is a... Is a fetus a person? Is a baby a person? Does rationality constitute a person? If so, then anybody under the age of like four isn't actually a person. Or people with like severe mental retardation, they're not people. Or people who are I've in coma are people. <laughs> Yo, don't get me in trouble. Um, <laughs> well, you know, it's fine. I don't mind getting fired. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just think it's like it's like cloning or or or. You know, if there's some way to like double your existence, it, it's it's now a different entity altogether because you're not in control of it. So, I mean, if you if you could still control the you that's inside the the consciousness that's inside the the digital afterlife, that would be different. It'd be like um, you know manipulating uh, a character in a video game, I guess. But well, I think it doesn't seem like the author was suggesting that he was suggesting. Yeah, fuck- Fuck the author. consciousness and then letting it go, like letting it do its own thing. We're, we're, we're just, uh, we're, we're taking the author as a jumping off point. Um, and, okay. but I, I would say that if the technology exists in my mind, there's no reason why you need to kill off the original. It could be like copying a CD. The difference being that the right. CD, the function of the CD is your consciousness. So the same way I experience my, my consciousness, my thought process, my self-awareness, you can have two different people that are, uh, that are doing that at the same time. And it could be true that you put, like, at that point, it's almost like twins, but twins that started at age 65 or something. But so, yes, right. they're going to go in different directions. Uh, but I guess it, we're, we're now we're, we're in the theoretical model that there is no soul aspect to consciousness. And we, we're going to go backwards and discuss whether or not that's real. But in the, in the theoretical that it's entirely a biological phenomenon, that the circuitry of your brain comes together and forges this experience that we basically just label as consciousness. There's really no reason why you shouldn't be able to have a, a split on that. Well, sure. And so it, it's a new form of reproduction. So you would te- like give self-reproduce. Birth yeah. to, you, you would you would give birth to your own brother or yeah. I would give birth to my own sister. And and I mean, that's bizarre and maybe narcissistic. But I mean, if 
if that's if if you want asexual reproduction, that's a way to do it. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, I don't think to me like if you asexual reproduction is not necessarily more narcissistic than reproduction. It's like just kind of the biological per, uh, uh, imperative towards self-preservation. Those I are do one. Think it's yeah. More neat. yeah, I think it's I think it's more narcissistic because you're. I mean, at least theologically and philosophically, when when you come together with another person in love and you create a new life uh, through that union, it's you know it's a it's a it's a unifying force. It's what Aristophanes would call like a bringing together of you know the two broken halves that 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 are meant to be together. So so it's more creative than. Um, just like replicating yourself or cloning yourself or giving birth to this weird, you know, uploaded consciousness inside of a digital reality. Um, so I, I don't, I, I think it is narcissistic. It's, it's like having, I mean, it's like the more exaggerated version of having your portrait painted. I always thought that was kind of narcissistic, <laughs> you know, or people who take selfies. I, I mean, like how narcissistic is social media? You know, people are constantly uploading their damn selfies. I mean, there's a reason I'm not on social media at all because I can't stand that kind of narcissism. So this is like the more radical version of, you know, uploading a selfie onto Facebook or, or whatever people do. Um, it's like you're uploading your entire consciousness and saying, hey, look at how great I am. Now you can all enjoy me in your digital universe for, you know, for as long as this you know, little virtual reality lasts. Maybe it's a function of just how narcissistic that I am that I still hear that and it sounds to me like, wait, but you wouldn't just choose. And it could just be fear of the unknown. Like no one like, you know, no one embraces really the concept of death. It's something that we're all, it's just, you know, it's something that we're all going to experience. You got to do. But to me, it's like if the, if the extend option exists, it's not, it's not even necessarily at some point it could be so normalized that it's almost not that different than just taking medicine now. Yeah. I mean, I think that the really, I don't know, for me, at least personally, the really, the, the scary part of the death thing um, isn't, like what happens after you die? Because Socrates was, he said, um, you know, he was on trial for his life. They, they, they uh, sentenced him to death. And he said, death is one of two things. Either it's nothing. And it's sort of like a night of dreamless sleep where you just like, you, you evaporate into, it, there's absolutely no consciousness whatsoever. Or it's a relocation to a certain spot, which he had good faith that he would go to a better place and he'd be could able to be hang hell, out though. with all the other cool dead dead people. What was that? It could be hell, though. Well, well yeah, but he, he, you know, practiced virtue his entire life and exhorted people to cultivate, vir you know, virtue and justice in their souls. So, um, you know, he had good he had good hope to that there was going to be something better. But, um, you know, so like that's not an issue for me. I don't I mean, personally, you know I couldn't I'm care less. I'm super lazy, and I feel like if you gave me an extra hundred years, I might actually get some insight in my life. You know, it's like by age, I'm not going to be done. I'm still going to be retarded. So it's like you gave me an extra hundred years and some fresh legs. Maybe I maybe I turn it around. You know, that's kind of my outlook. But you seem yeah. to feel a little more uh, comfortable with what you've accomplished so far. 
Well, I don't sleep a lot, so I've had plenty of time to think about you know, death. <laughs> yeah. Well, you wake um, up at 4 a.m., which sounds miserable. I don't know why you do that to yourself. Oh, it's it's the worst, man. It's it's terrible. I hate I hate my schedule, but what are you going to do? Um, this, this children need enlightenment. Yeah. Well, just don't, so, I didn't take early morning classes. Why do you teach them? What time's your first class? Like 8 a.m.? 8 a.m., yeah. And you got to wake up at four and to get I, there. I didn't choose to teach at 8 a.m. I, yeah. I would avoid an 8 a.m. class at all costs, but um, they they assigned me the 8 a.m. classes because the senior yeah. professors they get to choose they get uh, to choose the better times. Yeah, yeah, and you keep yeah. getting you keep getting so fired they teach for classes that start at noon. Yeah, and you keep getting <laughs> fired for sharing those libertarian opinions of yours. So you know you're always going to get yeah. shafted with the 8 a.m. classes. Makes sense. All right. Now, last theoretical question on this. Let's say you can extend your consciousness and like in fresh legs. So we're going with my model where it's people are not going to want to go to a digital realm. They're going to choose to basically stay here, but they're going to get themselves put into robots. And those robots might look exactly like humanoids. They might just be basically fresh versions of you. And by then, maybe we'll uh, be past Earth. You'll be able to travel to different planets and experience all sorts of interesting new things. Do you think like leaving your body earlier, like let's say you want to get out of your body at age 50 so you stay ahead of the aging process. Like let's say that existed as an option that you could kind of, you know, obviously part of your life experience does tie into your biology and that like, for for example, you know, you, you can only drink so much or, or some people can party more because they can wake up in the morning and get, get on with their life. Some people can eat cheese still and they can have that life. I don't get to live that life anymore. But you see what I'm saying? It's like so much your personality will get tied into, hey, I got the confidence of a dude with a huge dick because I was born with a huge dick. Everyone's got different things going on, which is very much so tied into your biology. So the sooner you opt out of your body for like some sort of like perfect robot thing, you're already in like you're living within a different framework. And like, you know what I mean? You're almost going to lack the wisdom of what that tie in of consciousness to your particular body was when you opt out of it. I don't really know where I'm going with this. I was going to say if you opt out before your body was going to go, do you see that as like a form of suicide? Um, well, two, two points. Uh, I think, I think there's two here. The first, first is it sounds like you're, you're taking a, a like a different tack than the author of the article did, did because yeah. he, he imagined that when you uploaded your, your consciousness, your mind, whatever, um, that it would, you know, take on a life of its own and go in its own direction. And the biological being would still like live out the rest of its existence you know, and it's so it, it's like a an insurance program for oh, that's weird. you know your your mind. Uh, and then you so can just you keep have, you have like you a just, backup. You can just keep uploading into the framework. So here's what terrifies me about that. That's why I'm changing this model. I would hate to hold, download. Hold yeah, yeah, go for it. Sorry. Yeah, no, I just wanted to say that it it sounds like you're thinking of it more in terms of like the Avatar movie where you get like like your 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 essence gets placed into like a new being entirely. And so you get, you, you have the continuity of your consciousness and your preferences and your values and your beliefs and your ideas and your wisdom and all that stuff. You have that continuity, but it's like, you're kind of surrendering your biological body for this eternally handsome, large dicked version, <laughs> you know, robot version. You get of, it. <laughs> of, of existence. Yeah. 
Which is, yeah, I mean, it's a different, if that's a different concept. And would that be suicide? And I, like, Because it sounds like you're experiencing death. Well, yeah, if you surrender your biological body, but it's like, well, what is life? Is life constituted merely by the functionality of your, um, you know, your lungs and your heart? Because they can keep a body alive for a really long time. Like people in a vegetative state are technically alive because there are machines that are you know, breathing for them and, and they have the, their blood is being pumped for them by a machine. So technically they're alive, but there's no brain activity. So are they really alive? And now some different people define death, death differently. Some say it's the respiratory cardio, cardiac functions. Like when they cease, that's what death is. And then some people say, well, when brain activity ceases, you're dead. So first of all, like philosophers and uh, doctors don't even really agree on what death is. So if death is the death of the biological body, um, then, you know, if it's if, if the technology does exist and you can somehow upload a mind or a conscious, I don't ever think that's going to be possible. But that aside, if it is for some reason possible and you can upload your consciousness, then maybe you're not even dead. Maybe you just moved. All right. Well, like, like you move, you know, you move apartments, so you move bodies. It's not a big deal. So just to recap in this incredibly trippy and weird conversation that we're having, you and I both agree that if you could just, you know, if you could go into the digital realm, we're not interested. You're not interested because the, uh, it wouldn't be as imaginative as what the alternate reality of death would be. I wouldn't be into it because I don't really like suffering or pain and the idea of continuing into some new unknown world that might be incredibly boring that I don't know how I get to opt out of. That sounds like more of a risk proposition to me. Like everyone could even come back from that realm and be like, dude, it's the best thing you've ever experienced. It's nothing but pleasure. I'd be like, yeah, uh, no, 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 that's uh, I, that sounds risky. Uh, they can have bathrooms there. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I got you anxiety brain. I'm not going to this realm. I need more details. I need to show up for a little bit, check it out for myself, scope out the situation. But if they were uploading you into robots that you just kind of continued your existence and, uh, you know, you, you're like me, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to uh, perfect this thing. I want all I want all the knowledge. You know, I want I want to know everything. And then maybe at some point you're like, all right, I, I, I accomplished it all, but I'm nowhere near there. But OK, now let's take it back to the the, the very beginning where I think is you're probably going to have a lot of insight in terms of the philosophers that have probably already thought of this. Um, but. The first question to ask is, what is consciousness? And is consciousness entirely just some freak occurrence because of your biology? And you're going to sit. You're going to argue, of well, course, not. Nobody understands what consciousness is. Uh, psychologists don't understand it. Philosophers don't understand it. Neuropsychologists don't understand it. Nobody understands consciousness. Um, I was listening to a podcast the other day, and there was a guy who suggested that. Maybe, maybe the thing that's between your ears is actually kind of like a satellite dish, and it's just like picking up on a signal from wherever consciousness is, and it's just like tuning into something. And it's funny because it made me laugh because right now uh, I'm revisiting the pre-Socratic philosophers in my ancient philosophy class, and when you go back to the pre-Socratic philosophers in terms of understanding what they called nous mind, uh, it's I think we've gone backwards rather than forwards. I think we haven't made any progress. Um, and like their understanding, you know, the, 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 the material monists, what they're called, um, 
the Milesian philosophers. So Thales and Aximander and Eximenes, and then uh, the other fellows who followed up later on, they weren't from Miletus, uh, Heraclitus and Parmenides. These guys, they, they understood like consciousness or mind as being, the, it's, it's a cosmic phenomenon. It's something that's out there and that we tap into by tuning yourself to like the right frequency. So it's it's sort of like like that's what thinking is. Thinking is twisting the dial on twisting the knob on your radio to get the right reception. Um, and and so when you think, you you don't think your your thoughts aren't original. You're just kind of um, absorbing or receiving the signal of the universe, and that universe is the mysterious unknown. And we can understand very very uh, narrow fragments of it in our experience, but but it's it's kind of interesting because they also say that you can understand the whole without understanding the all because there's you can never so your your quest to um, live slightly longer the extension program you want you want a couple maybe like a hundred an extra hundred years or something like that yeah. so that you can like learn more stuff and figure figure stuff out. Um, well, they said we well, you don't need that extra time because if you if you have good pattern recognition if you can see form and you can see the outline of form if if and this is what is frequently on um like iq tests yeah is pattern recognition so so they'll 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 set up um you know a series of shapes or a series of 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 dots in certain patterns and then they'll say like okay what what comes next and so if you can predict what comes next it, it shows a certain kind of IQ level. And so pattern recognition is super important. And that's exactly what the pre-Socratic philosophers were talking about. So you don't need more time to figure stuff out because if you can see the pattern of the whole, you don't need to see all of it or even most of it to know what it is. So just if I'm going to somewhat put what you said into my own terms and you'll tell me where I got it completely wrong. Okay. So our brains are essentially, um, like receiving equipment, like the same way your radio has an antenna, our brains are kind of this antenna thing. And separate from us, there's like planet consciousness. And we kind of tap into planet consciousness by receiving these waves and interpreting those waves. And the goal in life is to get better and better at receiving and interpreting those waves so that when you get to the the, the afterlife, you kind of have a clear vessel by which you can I guess interpret you have a better experience in that realm because you've tuned your receiver properly for pattern recognition. Is that somewhat the the idea there? Well, I think um, what it's not like you're going to have a better life if you in the next realm if you've done a better job with your receiver in this realm. You're going to have a better life here now if you're well attuned to the truth that's vibrating throughout the cosmos. And I, I do think that there are like frequencies and whatnot. Um, I mean, that's how they, they talk, they, they spoke of it like in the pre-Socratic realm, but, but even like Nikola Tesla also spoke of like the frequencies of the cosmos and things like that. And that we, you know, being attuned to it, well, we can tap into enormous amounts of not just like knowledge and wisdom, but also power. So how would you compare, I, I guess, what you're describing as the uh, the frequency model for consciousness versus, I guess, what 
religion would say, hey, you have a soul. Like, you know, it has not, it almost, the religious model is almost like it has nothing to do with your brain. God granted you a soul. The soul is this little thing. It's that inner voice. You kind of know what it is. It's living inside of you. It's just stuck in this body for now. And that's kind of what we experience as consciousness. And your soul is almost stuck in your body for now. And at some point, you know, your body dies and your soul, it continues into whatever that next realm is. So how, because I know you're of uh, a lady of the faith. So how would you tie in, I guess, what you kind of, it sounds to me like you believe in the frequency model. So how would you tie that in with like the religious soul model? Well, I think that the soul model is independent of religion. I think religion um, picks up the idea of the soul from philosophy. And so, because, you know, the the pre-Socratic Greeks believed that there was a soul, they called it mind. Um, Later on in in the pre, you know, pre-Christian tradition, like Socrates, who was fifth century BC, um, spoke of death as the the separation of the soul from the body. So he, he believed that there was an in, independent entity and he actually said that the soul is the true self. Um, and he said, uh, you know, so, so you are your soul. You are not your Did body. You grow a tail? And any, <laughs> no, that's, I have a new roommate. Um, he's, he's great. He, uh, he's a furry quadruped and he poops in a box, which is really, really convenient. So Does he's he... just, he's going to chew on my uh, paperwork here, but that's fine. Does he piss everywhere? I though? think he's looking for treats. <laughs> what was that? Does the cat piss everywhere though? That's the worst part about cats. Oh, no, not at all. They're no, good with the I'm shitting. Just, it's the I'm pissing. He's sitting him. He's he's. Oh no, he's a he's such a sweetheart. He's uh he's a good boy. Okay, I, 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 I'm sorry. I, that was the ADD at its best. I totally derailed you there. You were explaining <laughs> to us how the the, the soul um, model fits in with the frequency model. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so whatever the soul is, um. Uh, call you can call soul mind you can call i like i like the word soul better because i think that it um it has more life to it than than mind Uh, a little more vibrant personal preference was that i said it's a little more vibrant it's like poetic and that it seems to encompass a little bit more yeah yeah there's room for the mystical like music groove (laughs) now um, yeah so 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 the soul like and this is a um an issue that goes way, way back. And then of course there's a crisis in modernity with Descartes because he can't reconcile how soul could have any possible connection to the material world. And you know, how, how is it that a soul inhabits a body? How is it that a will and a consciousness informs our choices, our decisions and our actual movements? And it is like somewhat mysterious. I think his final conclusion was that, well, he, he, he never, he remained somewhat agnostic uh, till he died, but he suggested that perhaps the soul was connected in in the pineal gland. I don't even know. <laughs> I have no idea what that means. But the soul being like the self, like this, our our personality, our will, our intentions, like uh, the co-experienced dynamic unity of act, which is how Max Scheler defined like what the self actually is. Socrates saw the the soul as using the body like a tool. You know, it's a it's a temporary um, uh, habitat for for the soul, but nothing more than that. In fact, he was so bold as to claim. Now, of course, this is all through the dialogues of Plato. So a lot of this is is Platonic ideas, and he's using Socrates as a character. So I just want to make that um, clear. But I don't know if that was clear or not. <laughs> but anyway, he said that 
the soul, um, the soul's habitation of the body, like the, the body has nothing to offer us in the way of knowledge. And so it's, it's simply like the soul's ability to tap into ideas. So, okay, let me just give you a stupid example. I'm looking for something I can use as a prop. Wait, but can I, can I, can um, I argue against that? Even if you're within the God model, uh, sure. why would God put you into a physical body if that body offers no opportunity for knowledge? I would think that the reason why he constrains you to a physical body is because there must be something that is, that is worthwhile or something to be learned from that experience. But that experience is tied into the body. It kind of it kind of becomes you, an anti-God proposition to go, hey, you just tied us to a body for no, you know, just on a whim for as a goof. Yeah. Do you um, do you want me to go into why I think that we're in a body? Yeah. yeah why not? I mean, we're, 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 okay. we're going all over the place. We steer here. Right. We steer there. Um, we get some insight. Yeah. Well, there's it, no there's no there's it, no strike curriculum here. You know, there's no test later. There's no board with the with the bold words that we were supposed to get to. There are no rules. <laughs> OK, cool. Um, because my understanding of this whole problem uh, goes back to St. Augustine's interpretation of Genesis. And so when God created Adam and Eve, they were not two separate individual human flesh beings like we are now. They didn't have meat sack bodies. So when St. Augustine reads Genesis, what he understands is that God created Adam as spirit, Eve as soul, and bound them together in a celestial immortal body. That's how he phrases it. And so that's when, when Genesis said that God made man in the image and likeness of God, it was as a, it was a trinity contained within a unity. So you you know, later on, you know, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they're all God, and yet three persons. Uh, so the original human being was spirit, Adam, soul, Eve, in their celestial immortal body, which is a bond of love. And so um, it wasn't until after original sin when God punishes Adam and Eve for taking the fruit of the knowledge of the tree, the tree of knowledge of the difference between good and evil, it's a mouthful, um, that they're punished. He said, if you eat of the tree, you will surely die. Well, how could they die if they were made of this immaterial stuff? You know, if one was spirit and one was soul, like there was no way for them to die. So in, I think it's, I'm just doing this from memory. So forgive me if I happen to be mistaken, but um, chapter three, verse 21, I believe um, the author of Genesis says, and God gave them tunics of skin so it's as punishment for original sin that the human being gets the meat sack body. And so that's when in individuality is introduced to the human condition. So Adam and Eve were not content to be so one you, with God. They so the, fell for a different understanding of unity, which was individuality. So they literally fell for their own selves. It was the first act of like narcissism. Oh, that's really interesting. And then also, I guess to go back to your original point, we're in bodies as a punishment. So it, like there isn't necessarily knowledge or insight that comes from the experience of being in a body. Like it, it's a containment unit, almost like a prison for the soul. That wasn't the original intention well, or design of God. Wait, I want to back up a little bit because um, when you say God punished Adam and Eve by uh, casting them into bodies because he warned them that they were going to die. 
what he was doing was he was giving them what they wanted. He was he was just saying like it's like a there was a stupid country song that was out years ago and I can't remember what it's called and I can't remember who did it but it was like one of God's greatest gifts is unanswered prayers and that's true. And so we we frequently don't know what we want and even if we think we know what we want we shouldn't want it but we're we're insistent we're like greedy little children and so god said okay you really want individuality you really want to see what the knowledge of good and evil is like the only way to experience to the only way to know the difference between good and evil is well they already experienced good because they were in the garden of eden hell they were in paradise like that's awesome so they already knew good in order to know the difference between good and evil they had to experience evil and the only way to do that since evil didn't exist yet was become evil. So sin was their experience of evil, which then established the difference between good and evil, and they experienced death. So it was suffering evil and becoming evil at the same time was their introduction to what evil actually is. So the meat sack body, it's the thing that dies. Um, the soul and the spirit don't die. And, and so like, okay, we're in this world. Yes, it's a punishment. It's a punishment that we didn't think was a punishment at the time. We asked, asked for it. God granted us our wish. Here we are. Now it's the task of like what life is all about is use your meat sack to gain as much knowledge and wisdom as you possibly can so that you can understand that you're responsible for your own shitty condition. And, um, you can hopefully find your way back. You could hopefully like use the clues that are all around you because when, when, um, when the human being fell, all of creation fell. So, so we we're, we brought everything down with us and hopefully we can, um, use our, our meat sack selves to discover the clues that'll lead us back. And Plato says the way that we do this is by, um, tracing, it's like tracing breadcrumbs, right? Hansel and Gretel style. We're going to trace the breadcrumbs out of the forest. And we do that by recognizing beauty and by chasing and pursuing beauty. And the most beautiful thing that there is, is God. So we can start with physical beauty. We can be attracted to another person. We can be attracted to a beautiful landscape, a sunset, a book, a poem, a song. Those are, those are more physical incarnate manifestations of beauty. But um, from there, we should seek higher types of beauty. And so this is what's called the ladder of love in Plato's text, uh, The Symposium. So you, you gradually sort of climb, you ratchet your way up, you climb your way up this ladder of love and you start with like one beautiful body and then multiple beautiful bodies. And then from there you move on and you see that there's beauty in souls and knowledge and, and everything else and wisdom and customs of, of and institutions. And, and then ultimately like the highest beauty is the beautiful itself and that's, that's the divine. And from there we can give birth to the beautiful because we, could be, we become pregnant and that's what he says. And so we do good deeds and then we improve our own life that way. And so despite being in a meat sack body, we can still achieve a certain kind of happiness here on meat sack planet. Uh, I, I'm being that both inspiring and, and, and fascinating. And for people who didn't listen to our earlier discussion, we got into it a little bit about uh, belief in God. And I think for, for the sake of this conversation, I think it's more interesting because you have so much insight within that model. And I think even if you don't want to take God on faith, I still think there's a lot of wisdom in what you're saying. So no, no God arguments for me on this one. I just think that was all, um, you know, 
particularly insightful and fascinating. Now, what I want to kind of also add to th- this discussion that we've had so far, which is so interesting, because at the beginning of this, you said this is kind of, uh, you didn't say it was science porn. What did you say it was? What did you say that the idea... Atheist porn. It's atheist porn. So what's interesting about that is this kind of gets lost in the conversation of both religion and science is, um, and correct me if I'm wrong on some of these details, but I believe they still don't quite understand how matter equals mass. They still don't understand what dark matter is, and dark matter makes up, I think, 50% of everything that's in the universe. They don't understand original cause, so they go, hey, there's evolution. Well, what started the chain of evolution? Well, we don't fucking know. And then they still don't understand exactly what conscious experience is. I guess based on the information I'm hearing from you and the 10 minutes of Googling that I did, there are a lot of intelligent people out there that seem to like think it's kind of like a dual nature between uh, consciousness. It's somewhat forged in your brain and somewhat forged by the fact that there's got to be some sort of an external that's kind of granting us what whatever consciousness is or your model which i I hadn't thought about till now so i'm going to need some time to kind of think about and wrap my head around which is the tapping into frequency idea but the point is to kind of just look at and go well that's science or in this idea it's science to the extreme where they want to go hey you know that whole religious thing which kind of gave you a way of wrapping your head around the afterlife well we're on the science side we got you covered here it's a biological phenomenon and that's how sure we are of it we're actually going to cure this whole death thing and so it, it, what you're saying is kind of fair and that listen let's understand how much how limited science, science really is they're looking at about 50% of the equation and breaking that down with some massive assumptions about how you even kickstart that 50%. Yeah, I mean, consciousness, like, no, nobody gets it. Nobody understands consciousness. It, it, I mean, self-reflect, like, being self-reflective, like, why, why, when my new roommate, my cat, uh, when he looks in the mirror, why doesn't he um, recognize himself? Or start doing his makeup, uh, I don't know. you know? Why doesn't he go, hey, this isn't working for me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's adorable enough. He doesn't need it. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah. And so, like, what makes us self-reflect? What makes us... Uh, I, I, I addressed a, a question from one of my students yesterday, which was very interesting. And, and he said, like... Yeah, like... Because we were talking about Par- Parmenides, and Parmenides says that thinking is being. So... Then the question came up, okay, if thinking is being, then do things that don't think really exist? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Maybe they exist in as much as we think about them. Um, but where does thinking come from? How, how is it that we're able to, uh, to, to, think, to think about thinking, Meta, metacognition? It's, it's right. very bizarre. And, I mean, Aristotle was the one who said um, God is thinking. Uh, thought thinking itself. Yeah. You mean thinking about thinking or he's thinking it's, it, I, I missed that point. It's thought, the way that he formulated it, he said, um, God is thought thinking itself. Now, there have been moments when I've had drugs where I understood that. Right. Well, I, I just, but I, I'm regretfully yeah. sober. Um, on that note, I'm a big fan of this guy. His name's Gearchief. He's somewhat of a weird philosopher type character, but he's got this concept called remembering oneself. 
um, which is basically what you're describing, which is he's very into kind of like questioning your mechanical reactions and your thought process. And he calls that kind of remembering oneself, remembering the work that you remove yourself from kind of your instincts and your instinctual reactions or the anger that you feel, the jealousy you feel, kind of the emotional thing. And you start kind of questioning the thought process, which he refers to as remembering oneself. And, and, and he also says that that's a very important step to actually kind of becoming conscious because a lot of people walk around with mechanical reactions to life around them. Like, for for example, you know, it's kind of like that basic psychology thing. Something shitty happened to you as a kid and, like, it's ingrained in you to react in a certain way. So part of what he describes as doing the work is starting to kind of really being mindful and watching what your mechanical thought processes are. And he calls that very that very thing of kind of being mindful and observing the voices in your head and the mechanical reactions is remembering oneself. And, uh, you know, everyone's a hack. Apparently he stole that from Aristotle. That's all I'm trying to get at. Um, okay. So there were two other random topics that I wanted to get into, but before I do that, I feel like you probably have some other random insights or wisdom that I might've cut you off before you got to. So I want to give you the floor here. Well, no, I just, uh, wanted to say that, the recollection, the the remembering oneself, I think is a really, um, I mean, that's a, it's a nice, it's a nice way to think about it. And um, Plato, like the Platonic tradition, the Neoplatonic tradition, that's definitely embedded in both of those traditions. And so, you know, how do you remember yourself? Well, there's two ways to do that, basically. One of them is introspection, which is self-examination. So in the Apology, Socrates says, the unexamined life is not worth living. So take a critical look at who you are, what you've done, why you've done it. Learn how to give an account and an explanation of your life. And that's what he was kind of calling people on, which is probably why they killed him. Um, <laughs> and then the other way- No one wants that guy around. That. Yeah, we're trying to fuck boys <laughs> over here. What, what's your problem, Aristotle? He was the- <laughs> the gadfly of athens you know he was irritating everybody just sort of biting them and yeah he liked boys isn't there Um, something there's something really uh funny about that the most famous philosopher of all time was just a giant pain in the ass (laughs) (laughs) i think it's awesome i mean that's what i i that's what i do for my students enough with the fucking questions aristotle (laughs) 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 well it's true yeah he wasn't a pain in the ass Although it's funny because like throughout history, philosophers have uh, routinely been exiled, burned at the stake. They're like to question everything. And it's like, dude, I'm just trying to eat a fucking hamburger. Do we have to question that? Just let me eat my burger. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Anything. I'm sorry. I cut you off once again with my stupidity. Anything else on the topic? You were going somewhere with it. Okay. Yeah. 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 The second part, the second part of recollecting yourself, remembering yourself, uh, getting to know yourself is engage in philosophical dialogue um that's like socrates describes that as a a mirror for your soul so you use another person's soul to mirror your own soul and so you by by submitting yourself to the test which means say what you believe to be true allow yourself to be cross-examined and potentially refuted like that's how you learn the truth that's how you learn about yourself and what you actually know and what you don't know and then from there, you can gain, you can, you actually gain yourself, you gain ownership of yourself. He's not talking about it in the libertarian sense, but like you, you own your beliefs, your values, your ideas, like all of that stuff. Right. I agree with that a hundred percent. And it's interesting that we live in a society that so doesn't want you to speak your opinions and kind of, 
you know, it, so it's so interesting to go, hey, listen, the only way that you can really evolve or have some self-discovery is if you l- truly believe something, go have a dialogue about it because then you can at least be convinced that it's wrong or really find out that it's right and then, you know, live that with more conviction. Um, okay. Yeah. So I, I, two more, th- these are totally unrelated. Actually, the first one's a little bit related. I hear a lot about taking drugs and what people describe as ego depletion and that that is supposed to like, and that they also describe that as being, um, a, a positive, a positive thing that happened to them. And I also, from some personal experiences, I, I get what they're describing, but I'd love to hear kind of the philosophical definition of like, I, you know, I don't know what the ego is or whatever the fuck Aristotle or, uh, Fre- Freud came up with. I, I don't know. So I'd love yeah. a little bit of a definition on, I guess, the short version, or maybe this isn't your department because it's more psychology, or what what yeah. the classical view of the ego is, and is it a negative thing, or is it does it have a positive purpose, or are we totally referring to like a negative there? I'm just curious to kind of hear, you know, a little more insight I, on it. Yeah, I, I again, this is outside of my specialty because this is That's more Freudian psychology. My stuff. entire show is talking about things I've known nothing about, so feel free. You can cut <laughs> loose here. <laughs> well, I mean, um, I like the ego. I, I can only talk about the ego, and I can't do it in a psych- psychological way. I can only do it from a philosophical point of view because I really have no idea. It's been so long since I've read Freud. Um, I, I don't remember most of it because I don't know. He was wrong. He was wrong in an interesting way, but like still, I don't wrong. think he was wrong, right about yeah. stuff. Um, yeah, it's still wrong. But I mean, the ego from a philosophical point of view, the self, like there's nothing, th- there's nothing like wrong about. Um, appreciating your ego because your ego is just like your your personality like who you are and your your belief the the, some collection of your your beliefs and your values and um your priorities like like where are you oriented how are you oriented in this world are you um what i'm always going to go back to socrates plato and aristotle because i'm an ancient philosopher it's what i do yeah and so socrates you know was saying to people like hey what is it that you are um aimed at like what's your purpose what's your telos and so um you know it's like you have to have some kind of a purpose if you're if you're oriented towards gaining as much wealth power and fame as you possibly can you have relatively corrupt priorities your priorities are out of out of order uh he would say what you should be striving for foremost like you should orient your ego towards um self-perfection wisdom and virtue so that's, I mean, I, I don't have a lot to say about the ego other than. So it's not, it's, it's, it's uh, not an inherent negative, which I, I was, uh, in my head, I was, I was running with other people's idea that the ego is a negative, And I kind of came up with, this is like a definition, but it's, it's so different than yours. I think I'm just wrong. So I got to think a little bit more on it, but well, yeah. See, it means different things. It means different things to different thinkers. And so it means something completely different for the ancient philosophers than it means for even like Descartes. Descartes was the one, uh, he was the so-called father of modern philosophy. And um, 17th century, I think he, he died, he was born in the 16th century, died in the 17th century. And he um, developed what was known as egology. So it's like, we understand the world from the standpoint of the I, and he um, famously said, I think, therefore I am. So I is at the center of his universe. It was like the Copernican revolution. Like it used to be the case that God was at the center of the universe 
and everything orbited around that. And then just as the Copernican revolution turned everybody's understanding completely upside down, it's like, oh, what do you mean? The earth isn't the center of the universe anymore? And it's the sun and everything orbits around that. Um, so now like the egology is, you know, I think therefore I am, Descartes never came to a satisfy, satisfying conclusion about, is there a world outside of the eye? Is there a world outside of the ego? Right. Um, so a playful thing that I do with my students sometimes is say that, you know, the world, the, the philosophical wor world before Descartes focused on the I, E-Y-E, because they were interested in form and beauty. And they were interested, like, the, the ideas, the word for idea is uh, derived from the Greek verb idin, which means to see. So you see ideas, which is why to this day, if you're thinking really hard, you know, you furrow your brow, you're trying to see something literally. Right. And so, um, so our, our physiology is even connected to, um, to, to the philosophy dimension. You know, people think um, like, uh, on that note with the furrowing the brow, cause I've never heard put quite like that, but I feel like a lot of times people are looking at me and like, they think I got a little bit of a resting bitch face kind of thing, but it's like resting intense face. They just think I'm mad. And it's like, no, you people just don't fucking think. You're looking at me and I'm thinking about shit. So you assume that I'm like, I'm fucking mad. I'm just trying to, I'm actually using my fucking brain. So <laughs> anyways, yeah. I'm, I, I'm, here was my yeah. kind of take on ego. I read this book a while ago about, it was called Getting to Yes, Master Negotiating. I don't really remember it that well, but I remember the one tip of this book was that sometimes as opposed to like a lot of times people think of negotiating like, Hey, I'm going to tell someone, uh, it costs 150 because really it costs 75. We're going to split the difference. So this book was like, that's retarded. Never do that. What you should do is come up with like fair criteria by which like both parties can agree. And then you can kind of like make a more analytical decision around a standard. So like, for example, like, uh, I can't really think of an example, you know, we're an hour in and I've been using my brain a lot, but to tie this into the ego thing, the way I sometimes I get this like thought in my head, for example, I was doing uh, like, uh, I, you know, I was doing uh, pull ups earlier in the week and my arms were still sore today. And I had this thought in my head. I was like, why the fuck are my arms still sore? I should be able to go do pull like it's been four days. Do I really have a body? It doesn't like refresh in four days. And then I was like, well, based on what standard you're living in a body and it's telling you it's been four days. So where's this fictional idea of the way your body should work coming from? And I feel like, that, to me, that's kind of the ego thoughts. That happens sometimes, like, you know, with your comedy, with my comedy career. I'll be like, hey, I should be, well, based on what? Based on what evidence? Like, where, what are you drawing from in your perception of this, like, I, you know, like this fictional reality where you think you should be in one place when your actual reality is in a different place? So I almost feel like, to me, the ego is like, it's this little voice in the brain that has this uh, theoretical concept of where you should be that's like inflated. And then there's reality, which is just separate from that, you know, dumb thing that wants to, you know, it, it almost makes you suffer that you're comparing you to some fictional standard that never existed. Well, isn't that just, um, I mean, isn't that just like comparing your, your unique individual singular experience of this reality to what you perceive to be the norm because of, I don't know what people are saying on social media or the health literature you've read about right. exercise and muscle <laughs> recovery and stuff like that. You know? Yeah, I so, guess you're right. So it's like, yeah. In that yeah, case, so it's just, just you have bad information and you're comparing yourself to bad information. Well, and, and, you know, I mean, as a doc, like a doctors who take care of bodies, they have to have, there's a certain kind of like threshold or standard that they need to use to measure, you know, like blood, 
blood pressure or um, cholesterol or stuff like that. And they're, you know, I, I mean, I think they're kind of wrong about that stuff, but that's a different issue entirely. So, you know, they have some baseline of like, okay, there's something common to all human beings. And so if there's something common to all human beings, um, blood pressure being like perhaps one of them, then all right, you know, you're getting a little high if, if it's like, you know, like 180 over a hundred. So, uh, you know, you need to do something about that. But so there, there is, there is like a common human nature, which is a topic for a, probably a different time because the, the human nature aspect is, well, it's not something that, that we can easily crack open right now. All right, so last topic I wanted to discuss, and this is annoying because I, I sent myself a screenshot of the page, um, but I think okay. you and I, we were talking, I, I lost it. I, I think you and I were talking about this a little bit off air. It was a fascinating topic, and then it didn't actually, from what I remember, make it onto the episode, but I was reading the Bitcoin standard the other day. Uh, we discussed it a couple episodes back, and in one of the chapters, he talks about that the influence of government money in the arts is that as opposed to kind of the marketplace rewarding certain individuals for their talents, which is usually a lifetime invested in really being talented, now you have basically people like the government kind of, you know, run the museums and shit and they purchase stuff. So you just have some random individual who is a bureaucrat who goes, hey, I like this. And the result of a random bureaucrat as opposed to the market going, hey, I like this, um, the rewarding stuff that isn't actually remarkably talented and so the result is like us as a society we have worse art and now what i'd love to kind of take that and like i wonder in academia how perverted it is by government grants and government money that like what is actually kind of you know like look at it this way because you said on the last you said something like you know you see school is like a constant you use some bold line i forgot what it was but you, even as a teacher you don't have the most fond opinion of the school experience and you got to realize if there was zero government money in education they'd really have to train you directly for whatever job you were about to get or people wouldn't pay for it it wouldn't be the investment that it is so i i understand yeah. that this, like even from the look of you're like holy shit you just spark like a big one for, you know, the end of already being an hour in, but I, I'd love to hear just yeah. a little bit on the direct influence on government money to like maybe gender studies existing or people just like Ugh. researching and really just out there with asinine ideas that wouldn't exist if it wasn't for kind of government money in the, in the, in academia. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to your example of the art being purchased by a bureaucrat and now we get bad art. Um, and you said, well, it's just cause like they don't have refined tastes and they choose crappy art. And it's so just, it's not the market. Get... It's just, it's not the market. Well, the market exactly. is the hive mind. You can't beat but the hive actually, mind. You're being too kind to the bureaucrats because oh, okay. I would say they're doing this intentionally. Like right. they're, they're flooding us with bad art intentionally because it breaks the spirit. And so, I, I mean, I think it's planned. I don't think it's there. You don't find a lot of bad art just because just accidentally, it doesn't work its way up to the top levels. You're like you don't find bad art in museums spontaneously and randomly. It's chosen to be there. It's designed to be there. It's designed to demoralize and to degrade humanity, to make us think less of ourselves and each other. And I think, I think the exact same thing is true of 
the schooling system, I won't even call it education because it's not. It's systemic child abuse. And it is like even at the higher levels, even at the university level, it's a certain, I mean, there are pockets of great people out there. There are great professors out there. There are great, even, you know, K through 12 teachers out there. I'm not disparaging the individuals. I'm just saying the system as a whole is designed to break spirits. And so I think that's true also of um, higher education, you know, college and university level. And, you know, why do you see, yeah, why do you see gender studies, environmental citizenship, or um, I don't know, underwater vagina ballet, like whatever the hey, hell they make up, good. like this week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you might you might actually like that. Yeah, you piqued my um, interest. <laughs> Is that a real thing? Where, where where's college. that showing? Because all of a sudden I like ballet. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. No, it's. I mean, it's it's a it's a bunch of like ridiculous circus bullshit. Um, and I I mean I feel I, I feel awful because you know when i when i first went to college a long time ago it wasn't like this and when i first started teaching 20 years ago it wasn't like this what's the big so, shift i wasn't i wasn't in college 20 years ago 10 i wasn't even that what jesus i was in college a long time ago so anyways 20 years ago what was it like well like what would you say uh, and then we'll, and we'll close on this but i'm interested well there weren't i mean there weren't stupid pointless um queer studies yeah like like uh i mean study that in your copious spare time don't inflict me with it and don't okay there was a uh uh an email that tom woods sent out i think it was yesterday for those of you who under know who tom woods is um and it was which one of these uh which one of these articles found in a published like a peer-reviewed journal which one of these is fake well, I read all three of them. I was, I really wanted to get the right answer. I was like, Oh God, one had to do with like sweaty bodies. And it's like feminist spatiality around spacey, but like sweaty bodies and how that impacts our understanding of our, uh, I don't, I don't, it was just such, such crap. And then there was one about, I don't know, um, gay mathematics or something and oh <laughs> childhood normalizing n normalizing childhood obesity like like making children um feel, feel more accepted like, yeah because yeah yeah because like fat boys can have tits too now kids <laughs> yeah and guys can get sorry guys can get abortions and uh all, all kinds of wonderful stuff so i was looking i was really trying to get the right answer and then of course you scroll down and tom's like haha fooled you they're all real and here here what? are the actual journal publications that sucks because yeah, you no. probably you probably really were trying to wrap your head around it did you send him an angry email like please don't do that to you me know, again i didn't i didn't work that that hard oh, okay. because i know what these assholes do i know what they're like and i know the kind of crap there's a reason i don't bother publishing in academic journals remember there was uh just a i don't know like a year maybe not even a year ago there were those three journal articles that were accepted by um they were they were accepted by three award-winning peer-reviewed published journal journals and they got in like they were fake articles completely fake but th there was a team of three professors do you know what i'm talking about no i gotta look that up though no. it sounds hilarious yeah and one was like uh rape culture in dog parks <laughs> no, you mean because the dogs because like, the dogs real, rape like, each the, other and so it normalizes well, rape that's why I go to the dog yeah. park, because I'm like, dude, if I can download myself into an alternate reality, I want that. I want to be the big dog walking around the dog park, raping all the small dogs. Well, yeah. Um, 
you know, they found out, though, later on, because these three professors and they weren't libertarians and they weren't conservatives. They were they were typical liberal professors. But they saw that the the, the whole trend of academia is down to hell. I think uh, what's his name? The country singer Merle Haggard said like a right. snowball headed towards hell. That's what academia is. You know, what? so I got these uh, no, no, articles I, to. Yeah, show. no, there Sorry. seems to be a bit of Go a delay. Ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go for it. There is a delay. That's okay. Um, yeah, they wrote articles to show that, um, like, academic, like, the journal quality and the, the quality of research, it's gone. There's, so, there's, you know what? This sounds so funny to me. I don't want to rip off Tom Wood's bit, but if you come across, any listener out there, if you come across some really wild, uh, like, a- articles, I'll start doing a peer review on my show of, like, the, the dumbest of academia. Um, all right, listen, this was so much fun. We got to do it again next time uh, something comes across uh, my radar that's uh, in the uh, philosophies. We'll definitely reach out. Also, if you're out there, robsnewsroom at gmail.com. If you got random things you'd like for uh, me and the professor to cover, email me. And uh, any uh, anything else you want to, I don't know, plug or throw out there before we uh, call an episode? I just want to say thanks for having me on again. This was a blast. No, this was a ton of fun. We, we definitely got to do it again. I really appreciate it. And uh, uh, stick with us. Uh, Yosef's going to be calling in shortly. And we're going to, you know, we're going to go from this to talking about meatloaf. So that's going to be fun. Run your mouth, bitch. Yo, we out of our minds. Run your mouth. All right. And now we have Mr. Feldstein on the phone who, uh, you know, this is an important conversation that needed to be had. And that's why he's actually... Willing to take it from the road, Mr. Felt. Where where, uh, where are you traveling to? Where are you going from? Uh, from home to anywhere not home. Oh, you're just you're just leaving. You're just I'm hitting just, the road. I, I just I'm just going wherever well, then, wherever it takes me. You might as well I used to do that a lot back in like high school. Like, oh, just, just drive. Like, it'd be like in the car and just sit and like be like, okay, I'm not gonna make a single turn. Or something then, like that. And or then just see, like all right. Yeah. Turn, and like just like where you'd end up. It generally ended up just like going like in a big circle in Stanford. And right. like very but like when you're high, like that's exciting. And you know <laughs> um, it's like, that's oh my god, we made a big circle. Whoa. I remember but, uh, this yeah. is what I love about potheads. I was once in the car with a friend of mine who was a big pothead, and I turned to him and I was like, hey man. I think I might be going the wrong way. And he's just like, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically what it was. Yeah. But, uh, uh by yeah, the way, I'm uh, before... going to Muncie. Oh, what? Uh, just shopping to get some Kaiser food, get some shop. Well, you inspired me, Rob. Uh, y- y- you you're going to get me. I, I need, a. you're going to get some Kishka. You know, I already have the Kishka. I need to get, I- I'm thinking about maybe getting a flank steak to throw in my chillin to Chavez. Oh, because you saw pictures of my 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 flank stink, and you're like, I gotta I gotta get I, on that I myself. Very, I was very skeptical that it was gonna pan out in the the crockpot. I didn't want to be associated, but it looks like it. Uh, you know, the crockpot's very forgiving. Uh, specimen. There you go. So, all right. Well, uh, yeah. you know what? Let, let's fill the listeners in. Uh, not all of them follow me on Twitter, but you should. There's no reason why you listen Especially to the show. Today, you. You blew up on Twitter today. I think this was your coming out <laughs> party for Twitter. I think you need to, you know, like embrace this. Okay. Like you need to like just, you know, focus on your because people are kind of like they go to you as the sandwich guru. Let's let's call a spade a spade. You're your people's you're the people's sandwich champ. You're like 
the rock, but for sandwiches. sandwiches. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, someone's so, got to do it. And now, like, you're kind of expanding horizons. And today, you really, this is a big coming of age moment for you I, on I, Twitter. I agree 100%. But guys, if you're not already, I'm on Twitter. It's Robbie the Fire. I know we don't really do news jokes on the show anymore, and it's because tweeting is just so much faster when I'm reading the shit. I just tweet it. Uh, so if you miss that part of the show, engage with me on Twitter. But in this case, I, I, I what I did was I got to be I'm getting I'm getting a little too sick of all the restaurants that are surrounding me in the East Village. I'm a little sandwiched out at the moment. And I decided I got to no, start. Don't, don't ever say that you're you're the people's sandwich champion. Well, I'm going to figure out how to use this crock pot so I can start making delicious sandwiches at home. And I started. You'll get there. Yeah, I I started simple, and we're going to get into... Anyways, I bought this crock pot because uh, I can't really cook in my apartment. Every time I've ever tried cooking anything on my stove, I end up setting off the fucking fire alarms. The only opportunity I really have to cook is basically at 12 or 1 a.m. when I get back to the place, uh, and you can't really be cooking up a storm with the roommate. So I was like, fuck it, I'm getting a crock pot, I'm going to start living this crock pot life. And so last night... Yeah, go ahead. If you got something on that, go and, ahead. And you've and you've been having shitty breakfasts. Yeah, I mean, I haven't been eating like you know. Well, no, I've been going to my bagel store and eating uh, bagels with turkey and egg, and uh, maybe some. No, sometime. I'm just saying that like you're 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 now like. Oh, this is a different tier of breakfast. Crazy breakfast. Yeah, this, this is, is a, insanity. This is a this, this is, is pure insanity. This is this is backwards living at its best, everybody. Yes. But, so, but you know what it it is like. It could be uh, a new revolution. Like it could be. Don't view it as breakfast. View it as your opening meal. Your opening or first yeah, meal. Kickstarting the day. You so, know, like the the opener. The, I went. I like, went through. Uh, yeah. I went through a lot of emotions because first I get the crock pot and like any new toy, I just get really excited for it. I go right to the market to go shopping and I even cook with the crock. The only thing I've ever cooked in a crock pot is cholent. I have a pretty good cholent recipe and I actually tried calling Yosef from the supermarket for guidance. He didn't get back to me in the supermarket, but he got back to me remarkably fast. I was very impressed and uh, I appreciate that yeah, he got back to me. Good turnaround time when I, when I see phone calls from the people that are near and dear to my heart. Yeah, it was people it was, that aren't. I there. I kind of you know <laughs> don't. But you know, when I see a call from from uh, Robbie the Fire Bernstein, you know, instant callback. I should. You know what? Instead of just that calling, sets I off the alerts. I should text sandwich in need. Like we we should have like the equivalent of the bat signal or something. You know, so that we can uh, like walkie talkies for direct access when it's uh, food related. So, anyways. I'm putting together uh, a crockpot dish for myself, and I'm telling you, Yosef, I put the thing together, and then I got so excited, and then I was using the crockpot, and then I literally walked out of the kitchen. I was like, this fucking sucks. I got to wait eight hours to eat that. <laughs> like, Yeah, I was actually... <laughs> <laughs> After our, uh, our, uh, our call, uh, where you looked to me for guidance, but really, it seemed like you had everything together. And you were just kind of calling to brag instead of no. I really, from me. I, I really wasn't. No, I, 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 I really that, wasn't. I, no, no, I'm no, not a I confident that, man. I, no, no, no. I know that you actually called because, like, you wanted uh, a sounding board of sorts with me to, you know, make sure that, like, to get advice on the thing. But um, well, it you, turned out it was very one-sided. I was well, like, you, okay, I don't, I don't know if you should do this. You're like, no, no, this is happening. I'm, I'm doing this. 
Oh, that's and true. I'm like, I, d- okay. I definitely, the, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely guilty of that. Calling I think it's people, a salesman in you. Calling people for advice and then them telling me something. I'm like, yeah, well, I'm just not going to do that. But thanks. I appreciate yeah, exactly. the advice. Yeah, I definitely. <laughs> yeah, like, what the fu- like I, I hung up the phone from that. I was like, <laughs> what the fuck was that? Because that sure wasn't like, I, I, I thought I was being like, I thought it was like uh, being called for, you know, like. A serious like deep deep talk and you know like I, I was this like uh spiritual um sherpa of sorts for your your new cooking device which i which i would say i'm pretty well uh well you are you're you well know, versed and in. well well um, and but... i i really appreciate when you said like oh i got this crock pot i'm coming t- directly to you i was like that's that's perfect and then you were like, "Fuck you, Yosef. I don't care what you say." No, about the that's crock not. Pot. That's not true. This is what's going on. You, you well, you confirmed. <laughs> you confirmed my spice game. You confirmed the water I was supposed to use. You confirmed Wrong. a lot of elements. Oh no! Oh, right. The water was the only thing that I. You added also to that. The you spice, talked. I was like, you just said this. These are the spices I have. These. <laughs> this is what's going in. And there was really no, uh, you talk, no conversation. No, about you that. talked me. You talked me out of the rice, and then we had a disagreement about whether a piece of meat would would work out. And uh, it was just because you didn't get a good visual of it, because uh, that was the piece of meat that uh, that actually cooked rather nicely. So, anyways, but then I went to sleep very excited for breakfast, and then I woke up in the morning. The apartment smelled delicious, dude. I mean, I freshened the entire apartment you know, building up. I know that. So anyways, I woke up this morning. I had a delicious breakfast of uh, potatoes with this uh, piece of, uh, um, I know it is flunkin' meat because that's the Jew word for it, but it wasn't, it wasn't flunkin' no, meat. it was totally technically... not flunkin' meat. Oh, but it cut. Flank it cut, steak. It was flank steak. Well, it cut, it cut very sim- sim- similarly. It also both has the word flank and flunkin'. I don't know. It seems, seems like it's the same thing. Yeah. I think, I think flunkin' is just the Jew no, word for flank steak. flunkin' is short ribs. Oh. No, flunkin' is uh, short ribs. Really? And flank steak is, yeah. Oh, okay. Steaks like a it's a kind of tough cut of beef that again, as I said to you last night, typically you're gonna wanna marinate that for a while and then like sear it or cook it under a broiler pretty quickly. But you went a different route, and I think it's as I said before, the crockpot is a very forgiving. Uh, well, I showed you. Uh, I showed device. you. I showed you the pictures of that cut of meat. And the way that that thing sliced is undeniable that that's a perfect, perfect cook. You did cut next time. I want you my advice and and guidance on that. I want you to cut it against the grain, but that's for a different discussion. I don't even know what that means. That that shows my knowledge of cooking steaks. That'll be lesson number two. All right. So Um, now Yosef, here's my big question for you. The only thing I've ever cooked in a crock pot is, is chulent. And cholent, okay. it's it's basically I'm going to tell people what cholent is. It's basically uh, kosher kosher stew. It's stew made by the Jews on their Sabbath. Super beefy stew. Yeah, my recipe would be flunkin meat, barley, chopped up onions, chopped up potatoes. Uh, I don't like the beans. I, I left the beans out. I would put in uh, what? Uh, yeah, I, I, I actually my yeah. chulin, my cholent recipe ha- was changed for the better. Based on you telling me that your chillin' recipe had vegetarian, yeah, the Heinz beans, the pre, yeah, yeah, the pre-cooked beans, the pre-cooked beans are a great move. Um, over the years, I listen. I got a weak stomach. I think we've, uh, I think we've addressed this. 
And so uh, I, I'm, I avoid the beans, but I do love the beans. The beans are delicious. I used yeah. to eat beans in, uh, in all sorts of dishes, but these days I'm, I'm bean free. I'm bean free. I'm, I'm, I think I'm full time dairy free. We're gonna get we're gonna get into that into a minute, Yosef. Yosef, we're gonna have to discuss that in a oh, minute. Boy. But first, we're gonna discuss uh, uh, crockpot living. We're gonna continue on the crockpot. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Oh, okay. Good. Okay. So my spice game. I'm really into the the cumin. I'm really into uh, hot hot red pepper. From there, I like my minced garlic, my onion powder, uh, and some pepper. I don't even I don't even really use a lot of sauce, and I like I like some barbecue sauce. And you fill that thing up with water. Now you didn't put barbecue sauce in that, did you? Yeah, I did, man. I did. I put in a uh, like a hickory okay. smoked barbecue sauce. It was delicious, dude. That spice and seasoning was so on point, you wouldn't believe it. Uh, I like a nice sweet and spice, uh, sweet and spicy combo. Now, here's what I was unaware of when it comes to crock pots. I didn't realize that you could cook in them without filling them up with water. I thought it was solely for like. You know, when you're cooking things basically in water, I didn't realize that, like I was looking at recipes online. People just put like drumsticks in there and kind of cover them, you know, with some barbecue sauce and will let those things cook. Have you have you cooked things in a crock? Like I, I basically thought crock pots were a vehicle for kind of, I guess, for lack of a better term, basically like slow boiling food. I didn't realize that there was an option for, you know, cooking dry food in them. For sure. You actually, without even knowing it, two weeks ago, you ate something out of a crock pot that that, didn't that was have the any meatloaf. Yeah, that makes sense that it yeah. didn't have any liquid, but I didn't put that together. So here's the next thing. Here's the next two things I really want to experiment with, and so I'd love to get your feedback on uh, on cooking them up. So one is underage I wa- boys, and <laughs> I want to get a package of drumsticks. Cut off the skin and then shred up all the chicken, like cut up the chicken into chunks. And then I want to, I want to throw that in there. And then how do I cook that up? So I have like a, like a dark meat shredded chicken thing. I'm thinking it probably needs about four hours on low to cook, but like what kind of, what kind of spice game am I looking at? What do I throw like a barbecue sauce in there to like, let it cook in the barbecue sauce? Is it no water whatsoever? You go completely dry with it. I, I, I'm looking for a little insight here on what might be a good, like, shredded chicken recipe within the crock pot. Shredded chicken or or chicken drumsticks? Well, I want to cook chicken drumsticks, but I want... totally different. I want to take it all off the bone. That's what I'm thinking. I'm oh, thinking you of want cutting... Like, you want, oh, you want, like, the shredded chicken, but, like, the dark meat. Yeah, you I want to cut. Like, yeah, because I don't think you can really cook white meat in a in a, in a crock pot. I think will dry out too much. But uh, I'm thinking if I cut I off, definitely disagree with that because okay. one of my favorite crock pot dishes is white meat chicken, and it's it's the most simple recipe ever. Oh, lay it on me. You might have had it also. Okay, lay it on me. I think you might have heard, but it's this is like this is the go-to standard at least for me. It's uh, um, you could probably do it shredded, and you probably. Um, will do it better because you could probably do like some melted cheese with it also, but simple. I think it's four ingredients total. Okay. You get chicken cutlets and I'm sure you could do it with dark meat also um, off the bone, but chicken cutlets, um, a bag of frozen corn, again, simple, a can of black beans and a jar of salsa. And you just put it in a crock pot, mix it all together. And it, it's this, and you could probably sp- uh, spice it up if you want to like add some like added heat to it. Um, you pour some like hot sauce or, um, 
But I can cook. Whatever. Added, I can cook in salsa. Spices you want to. Oh, a hundred percent. Okay, so then that's going to be like the greatest thing. You put it in, and it's you know four to six hours, maybe like the first hour on high, and then four or five hours on low. Um, I got a crazy. And you'll have a. Oh shit! We went out again. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Okay, I got a crazy concept. I, I, I this might just sound gross. Hold on, wait. Let me just finish out the. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. The the chicken thing. It's it's gonna kind of get all encompassed the beans, the corn, the the salsa, and the chicken, and the chicken becomes like this like soft, delicious, like very flaky like chicken that you could just basically turn into like an amazing shredded chicken or just chicken like that you cut and it's fun. Can I, can I, like, do you if think you I could, uh, sandwiches, you just shred that up and it's like, this like, you know, how do you bread your chicken? But how do I bread? Yeah. Like, are you dipping in an egg and then dipping it in flour and then back an egg and then like a cornflake or something? Like, how do you, when you're making chicken cutlet or do you just mean For like this? real chicken? Yeah. When I, when I hear jerk, no, you just raw chicken. Oh, when I hear chicken, maybe maybe this is wrong. I might be wrong on this one. Uh, chicken cutlet you, to me is a breaded oh, chicken, like, uh, grilled chicken. That's, like, that's yeah. you, like chicken cutlet, like as you're thinking strictly Deli. sandwiches. I'm yeah. talking like chick, raw chicken cutlet. You just throw right in. You don't oh, do okay. any. That's why I'm. It's super simple. Like a piece you of don't chicken need to breast. Bread it. Yeah. Okay, I get what you're saying. Yeah, chicken breast. Oh, okay, chicken breast instead mm-hmm. of chicken cutlet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. Fair. that's fine. Um, uh, listen, we, we get we, everyone gets things wrong. It's okay. Uh, now, what do you think of this? A salsa. I want to throw salsa in. Cut, chop up some jalapeno peppers, and then just some meatballs. Just cook meatballs overnight in like a in like a spicy salsa. Would that work? A hundred percent. Well, now, do you think meatball, whole meatball uh, whole pieces of garlic would that soft. work in there? Whole pieces of garlic. Yeah, if I threw with garlic what? in with salsa and jalapeno peppers and meatballs, or would that be too much? That might not flow. Uh, I've made garlicky meatballs, but not with the jalapenos. It's like a it's like a different thing, you know. I'm looking at video footage of your. E- I'm looking at video video footage of your ear. <laughs> well, that's that's up to my ear to hear you. Okay. So let's go back to my my shredded not you know not white meat chicken my dark meat chicken idea of cutting up my chicken. What would you recommend as a as a sauce to cook that in? So also you're saying I could do totally no water in there whatsoever. I could literally, if I wanted to, just cut up that chicken, put it in the crock pot for four hours with zero sauce, and I would come back to cook chicken. Yeah. My concept of thinking you needed water in a crock pot is just certifiably false. Yeah, but it it, it definitely helps. So what kind yeah, of uh also- can I do like uh can I literally just cook that up like in hot sauce or would that just be too ridiculous? That would be a little too ridiculous. Um, you want like a little bit of, uh, but like hot sauce and barbecue sauce, I could do hot sauce, doesn't dry out. So hot sauce, barbecue sauce, a little bit of water. But at that point, if I'm putting in water, can I just, can I just fill the thing up with water or do you just want to kind of like, you'll get like a boil type chicken type. I got it. You just, you just want a little bit in there for it. So that it like, so it like steams up and kind of, yeah. Can you say uh, yeah, can I, sauce sauce it the fuck up, hot sauce it, and and just stick those in, and then 
and then let it slow cook and then you're gonna you're gonna end up with uh what i think is gonna be perfect for you because that's a nice uh you know chicken that you can shred up and, and pack on a, a nice kaiser roll hell yeah because we all know i love those kaiser rolls all right now <laughs> last thing on this uh when i'm throwing the water on is it water basically just to layer like in other words like water just above basically where your chicken line is that all your chickens in like in is submerged in water but not really submerged just like till the top line or am i just putting water in there so that there's some water in there um with the ch- with this chicken just not all the way up um if you're if you're kind of targeting uh no a let's say there's type thing or like what you did with the meat last night you're going to want it all the way to the top because you want it like to be in kind of a um, kind of fully encompass that, okay. that beef that you're talking about, and also kind of get those onions and uh, and potatoes kind of cooked. I like it. They're not really going to cook well. If you're doing just like chicken, you don't and, and sauce, like that's good enough. Or like just meatballs or ground beef um, and sauce, like that's good enough. Um, and if you want to develop a stew like chilling thing, you're going to want to have enough water. Um, to cover all the the grains that are gonna like the barley and the those things that are gonna need the water to get that stuff stuff. Got cooked. it. All right. So here's what and I want to put out that's there. What yeah. That's that's what develops that stew like consistency as opposed to the consistency that you woke up this morning to um, with your kind of like beefy kind of broth. I imagine. Oh, dude, I actually, can I tell you, I tried it straight just to see if you could eat it as a soup. I burnt my tongue a little bit, but it was fucking delicious. I was really wanted to, I wanted like a beef broth. It was so good. I only did one spoonful of it, but my spice game was so on point that if someone like, I would have eaten that as a soup. If someone had better, like a little piece of meat, like totally could have eaten that as a soup. If you threw like some, uh, some like lentils in there with uh with that with like thin sliced beef. Holy shit! Oh, here's another one I wanted to ask you about. What about chopping off pe- chopping up peppers and doing like a pepper steak in there? You just chop up your peppers. You throw in your you throw in your pepper steak. But what what kind of a sauce would I? Need, that you don't even that you don't even need that much water because there's enough kind of liquid in the peppers if you're putting in enough. That it will use like yeah, the, chop up the, chop up peppers, onions, maybe jalapeno peppers uh-huh. also, and just sure. probably only and two like hours. Thinly, thinly sliced like uh, steak pieces for sure. Or yeah, like those pepper steak packs. All uh, right, so yeah, you can definitely do that. Here's what I want to throw out there you know to I, you know what I've yeah. done before. I'm listening. This is this is like just this is more like a future looking thing as opposed to like a one dish. If you get like, uh, I don't know, ten to five pound bag of onions, and you just chop all those fucking onions in, and you line the bottom of the the crock pot with like a little uh, olive oil, and then pour in some like a little salt and pepper, and then just onions for whatever six eight hours, it makes like just unbelievable like caramelized onions that you just cut that. What I do is kind of sock it away um, in the freezer and then pull them out as necessary. I like it. And, uh, and all talk right. about what yeah. what your apartment will smell like with that. It'll smell like 
deliciousness for about a week. Oh, I could use deliciousness for a week. Uh, that could be just like a potpourri like thing you do. Just just to freshen the place up. Onions. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there and we go. And your neighbors also will definitely appreciate that. They'll knock on my door and be like, dude, we I don't know what you did in there. It smells we oniony. Like what you are having. We yeah. want, invite us over for dinner and you just serve them a tray of onions. <laughs> 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 um, it, all right, so here's what I want to put out there. I, I, I'm stepping up my sandwich game. For years, I was going to bodegas and I, I mastered ordering a delicious sandwich. I could show up anywhere. I could work that menu. I could work at left, right, center, different angles, mitch and match, pull out the perfect bed, exper- bread, experiment with what's the best at s- this sandwich shop, what's the best at that sandwich shop, roll into a town, know exactly what I'm expecting from what place I'm going to get it from. Come on in, Brian. We're talking uh, We're talking. Uh, making stews at home in your, uh, in your pressure cookers, and you're an expert on this. You're a pulled pork guy. I've seen you in here with delicious pulled pork. I'm talking about stepping up my sandwich game now that I've uh, bought a crock pot, and I'm I'm gonna start uh, experimenting. Crock pot life. Pulled meat sandwiches. Listen, this is gonna be a whole new thing, and you know what? This is what life is about. It's about challenging yourself. It's not just accepting, hey, I'm an expert at ordering sandwiches from sandwich shops. It's about bringing it into your own home and going, I'm gonna step up my game. I'm gonna start with fresh ingredients. I'm gonna start with con- concoctions from scratch, where I'm doing all the labor. Ooh. And taking part in more of the deliciousness all the way down to the raw ingredients. So listen, I'm going to be tweeting out there, you know, when I'm eating for breakfast every morning when I wake up and it's fresh and ready to go. Meatball subs. Uh, yes. Taking over the means of production. Exactly. I, I will be taking over the means of production out of, away from the sandwich shop owners and back into my own home and reporting on. And you know what? It might take me a couple months before I come a full scale crockpot expert but i promise you three months out you come over to the bernstein residence any morning at 9 a.m for breakfast and you will not get a meal anywhere else yeah all right impassioned pete (laughs) impassioned plea <laughs> uh, all right, Yosef. This is why. Uh, oh, well, actually, before I move on to that, I listen. I, th- you might get mad at me for this. This comes from always a private conversation within a private group. It's really not a place that you're supposed to take topics and then, you know, bring them outside of the group, and certainly not to a public forum like this. Um, but I read a posting that you were actually I'm... training for a farting contest in India. Uh, so that's I, true. I, and I, I think I've been training my whole life actually for that. Well, can you can you tell people about the contest, what you win? And I think you got the angle here because they don't even really eat meat out there, and most of them are pretty skinny. So you know they they might. Yeah, I've been in their buildings though. Sometimes what they eat just smells alone. So they must be stirring up some some real juicy, greasy, stinky farts. So how exactly do you think you're going to win this thing? What's the angle? Well, listen, listen. I, I know nothing about this. I know nothing. I didn't even read the article. I just saw the headline. But I know that I've been training my entire life. <laughs> you just knew that you were destined I, I to win know. this contest. <laughs> exactly. I, I Again, I know nothing about the logistics about it. I know nothing about um, what the rules are, how you compete, where you go. But I know for a fact that if I go out there, I uh, will win that thing. Because uh, and I think Harrington could attest to that as well. Maybe, uh, maybe you know, I've never wanted to go the Kickstarter route. I've never wanted to charge for, or I, I mean, at some point, I hope to make money off of my content. But for now, it's not really, 
it's not really the route I've been going. Uh, but I'd love to get a Kickstarter campaign for filming the documentary of you winning the India's best farting. Con- is that is that the title? What's the official title? What exactly can you win here? Again, I know nothing about it. I don't know what I could win. I just know that I will not be able to be beat. Well, I would love to go on other podcasts to promote that I'm doing a Kickstarter campaign for my co-host to be flown to India to compete <laughs> in the FAR contest. So, if you're there game, you if you're game to go along on this bit, you know, maybe we could maybe we could drum up some interest and a little press. You let me know how ham you want to go on this, but th- this could this certainly could be a fun one. Oh, for sure. I did. Um, <laughs> seriously, if. If anyone's willing to send me out there, <laughs> I, I, I will. I will drop everything. I will drop everything, and and, and we, do that. And we can do a montage of you eating beans and farting and Harrington in a room about to vomit. We could have a lot of fun uh-huh. with this. All right. Well. Dun 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 dun. dun, I'm, dun, dun. I'm thinking more. Yeah. Oh, all right. There you go. <laughs> I was thinking more of the Rocky music. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Dun 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 dun. Take it away, Yosef. Dun 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 dun. All right. Well, we'll get working on that, and we'll get we'll get better songs. You know, don't think don't think we're done with that bit. Uh, all right. So, Yosef. Oh, I think he hung up on me again. Are you out there? Are you there, Yosef? I think that's an episode. I don't know what happened to Yosef. I hope he's safe out there. I mean, who knows? Kind of got cut short. We were we were balls deep into conversation about cooking up meatballs, maybe making a stew, maybe, maybe putting peppers and onions in there. I had some other recipes I was going to get into, but Yosef's just gone. So looks like we got to call an episode. Maybe next week. We'll actually uh, come into studio, and then we can, you know, really discuss crockpots. I was hoping to do this for maybe two, three hours, just recipe talk, recipe after recipe, like a bunch of old ladies just sitting around going, hey, have you tried cooking up this pie? And the other one's like, no, I never tried that pie. Usually I only make a peach cobbler, and you're all talking about apples, and, you know, I've never really tried apples in a pie. And then the other one's like, no, apples are the more traditional thing to put into a pie. People don't even put peaches into a pie. Peach cobbler? That shouldn't even be considered a pie. And then some other ladies like, no, nah, no, cherries. Well, let's all let's talk about apples and peach. You're telling me you're going out and you're making pies and you're making it with apples and peaches when cherries s- clearly the better of the pies. And then some other ladies like, no, no, no. Listen, blueberry pie is clearly the standard pie. And everyone's like, boo, fucking blueberry. Blueberry is the worst unless it's in a muffin. Blueberries, blueberries are excellent in a muffin. But if you get a blueberry Pop-Tart, clearly the worst Pop-Tart. You get, uh... I guess the blueberry piece of pie, that's not a blueberry cake. I mean, I like blueberry cake, but it's not the best cake. I mean, it's not even your top 50 cakes. You got to you got to go through about 50 cakes before you get to what is delicious about a blueberry cake. You do get the powdered sugar on the top. Sometimes they're real moist, but a blueberry cake, you're almost like, dude, why don't you just make me a blueberry muffin? You've never even seen a blueberry cookie. That's why that that is proof of the fact of just how poor 
blueberries are in terms of if you're going to be making a dessert product. This is the old lady still. She's very adamant about the fact that blueberry makes for the worst pie. Someone else is like, well, you know, I'll make the four-way pie so everyone can have what they want. Everyone's like, no, that doesn't work because if you make the four-way pie, you end up with those like in-between slices where it's not really comboing that well. When you get the peach, is kind of bleeding into the blueberry and it just doesn't work. If you're eating pie, you want to eat like a piece of just your pie. And then the apple pie lady goes, listen, I, I get that you guys are all into the blueberry pie and I get that you're into the cherry pie, but you got to understand if you're eating the apple pie, you can actually eat this with vanilla ice cream. And I was like, dude, you're cheating then. We're trying to have a conversation about pie. You're talking about ice cream going on top of pie. That's more of an ice cream dish. You're basically turning your pie into a cone or something. That's not a traditional pie dish. We're over here. We're trying to compete pies. You're coming out of nowhere talking about uh, ice cream. We're talking about traditional pies. Then out of nowhere, some ladies like, dude, I make a banana cream pie. And everyone's like, I don't know, does cream count? Is cream like ice cream? Or is that part of the actual pie? The point here is Yosef's gone. And I was I was hoping to banner way more about Crock-Pots, but that's going to be our episode. And uh, tune in next week. Hit me up on, uh, uh, follow me on Twitter. Uh, it's, uh, uh, what's my Twitter? <laughs> Robbie the Fire. Email me, robsnewsroom at gmail.com. Particularly, if you have a good Crock-Pot recipe, uh, and you email me, I don't really want to get into the pork game just yet, and I don't, I don't want to discuss why, but, you know, email me, robsnewsroom at gmail.com. Uh, I'm looking for new crock... That's my new life. I'm, I'm an old lady who likes discussing recipes with his friend because, uh, you know, I don't know. That, that's what I'm doing now. So email me, robsnewsroom at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter, Robbie the Fire. And uh, lastly is uh, share this fucking show, dude. I mean, you saw Shane Gillis. No one, no, like, that That guy fucking got to SNL. And they're like, you, you can't do this. I've said worse things on every one of my platforms. So there is no job. There's no There's no more, hey, I'm going to do this until I get so good at it, someone's going to pay me to work some kind of a job. That doesn't exist in the world. The only platform is this. It's this right here. It's me talking about blueberry pies and trying to find an audience of people that want to hear me ramble about blueberry pies. So hopefully at some point I can quit my day job and spend more time talking about also, who knows, you know, I haven't traveled the world tasting all different kinds of pies to really have a refined palate so I can really get more in depth on this stuff. And if you guys want to hear it, the only way that that will ever happen, the only way that we'll ever live in a world where I can really become a crockpot and pie expert is if you people get out there and you tell your friends that they should follow the show all also, so we can get this thing to like 10,000 uh, weekly listeners, get some sponsors of products that you guys will like. Everyone will start making money, and we're not, really not going to make any money because any money that we bring in is going to go right to show budget. I promise you we'll start doing food reviews on the show. We'll start filming sketches. We'll start doing additional food reviews on the show. And we'll basically just eat more food actually on the show. Uh, but that's our episode. Once again, I figured if I rambled long enough, Yosef might reappear. But he's gone. I don't know what happens to the guy. Maybe he disappeared for good. Maybe he decided, I am just going to continue to venture in the world and uh, you know see where I end up. Or maybe he's listening right now and he realized, holy shit, I can't go home. That ramble just made me hungry for pie. And if you don't end this episode by going out and eating yourself some pie, I don't even care if you cheat and you get one of those little Entenmann fruit pies, which I haven't eaten in years. And it's almost like a disgrace for pie. It's not even shaped like pie. Can you can you can call it? I guess you can call yourself like ice cream. All right. I don't know. We've had enough. Thanks for joining us. Have a good one. Bye.